Welcome to the OA Light a, Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Sandy Y. Hello, everyone. I'm Sandy, compulsive overeater. Hi, Sandy. Um, I'm very happy to be here. Um, I have almost 20 years in program and uh, about three years and 11 months of abstinence. Um, I came uh, when I was about 39 years old. I'm going to pass my picture. And um, I was 238 pounds. I called myself a monster at the time and uh, was very, very unhappy. Actually, I thought... I thought I was a very nice girl, and the only problem was I was fat. That's, and I can say that word now. I couldn't say that word. If you ever said that word in the past, I hated you. Um, it was such an ugly word. But now that you know, I come to this program, and I just um, have learned about me and the disease and compulsive overeating and everything that it entails, I'm just so grateful that um, I was introduced to come here. Anyway, I, um, I'm going to be 60 uh, in May, and um, as far as I know, since I was a baby, I just love to drink milk and uh, eat, and uh, I've been chubby all my life. Um, I remember I was, it was um, about eight years old. I was in grade school. I grew up in Hollywood. And I was in elementary school, and one day where I was sitting in class, and I got called out to the nurse's office. And I had no clue what was going on. I'm walking through the halls like, what's going on? What happened? And I went in, and the nurse weighed me, and I just started crying. And because I felt like I was wrong, and I did not know why or how or I didn't do anything. You know, I just felt like an innocent victim. Um, and she she said, oh, I didn't mean to upset you. And I thought upset mean angry. And I was like, I'm not upset. And I'm bawling. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, I didn't mean to upset you. Anyway, so that was that was it. I, uh, I never thought that, I just thought that this is how I was. This is who I was. It was not my fault. So fast forward, I was always chubby, um, made fun of. What do they call it? Today they call it bullying, but I was made fun of. Uh, called names, and uh, finally, I was, uh, I, I, my mom put me on a diet when I was, Atkins diet, I think I was about four or five, and uh, it worked, and, uh, but I continued to eat. Um, my mom was always, so my father was killed in Vietnam when I was two, and I grew up with my mom, she never remarried, so it was just she and I. And she um, was petite, had a fabulous figure, never more than like 100 pounds, and maybe five foot zero. And I was this tall, big, ugly daughter. So it was, it was difficult. And she always wanted me to dress nicely. We would go to Sears. I grew up in Hollywood. Like I said, we'd go to Sears. And 
she said, I would feel so guilty because I would find clothes and, you know, I couldn't get anything for you. And it was just so hard. It was just a terrible experience every time we tried on clothes. Fast forward to high school, not fun. Junior high, junior high and high school, not fun. Unattractive, envious of other girls that were all in the designer jeans, designer clothes, everything like that. Um, my mom wanted to buy these things for me. I loved them. She loved them too, but they just never fit. Uh, finally, it was in, I have some notes here because I've never spoken this song. I hope I remember. Um, it was finally in college where I started the Cambridge diet. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember that, young enough, whatever. It's just basically shakes. And for about 30 days, I had shakes, morning, noon, and night. And uh, I was in heaven. And after I came to program, I realized that that was my favorite diet out of all the ones I did until I got 38, became 38, because food was not an option. I did not know about food addiction, nothing like that. And I lost uh, a lot of weight, and um, I got down to 148. At 21, that's still not really thin, but it was good enough. And um, first day I started eating, it was like, you know, all, game, all bets were off. Um, I didn't get asked out on dates. I finally did get asked out on one date, and I was so insecure about the way I looked. Uh, this was after Cambridge, that uh, on the second date, he asked me to go to Griffith Park, and I knew I had to wear shorts. I don't know why I thought I had to, and I said no to the date because I thought I had to wear shorts to the park. So that's just how I was into my looks, into me, into what I look like, what this body, you know, just the whole body obsession. Um, and then it started, you know, all the commercial diets. I tried most of them. I went with one of my friends to Tijuana. We got our ears acupunctured. Uh, that didn't work. Um, literally, lie, another one of my friends, so by now I'm working, I have a career, I have a friend, and she uh, used to see a therapist for her eating disorder, and I, was, I used to think, she's weird. And, um, and uh, she told me how she got on Prozac. That's when Prozac just came out. And she said, you know, you have to see a psychiatrist, and I, I'm not hungry. And I said, oh, my gosh. You know, so I faked it with the psychiatrist and said I was depressed so I could get Prozac, and that didn't work for me either. Eventually, my favorite, favorite uh, way to lose weight was with diet pills, and I would have to either go to medical weight loss clinics or doctors or wherever, um, my favorite line from a, a, someone in program, her name's Patricia, she said, I went to Lindora and I lost $1,200. <laughs> and I did that, I did that a few times. And there they offered the pills too. And I love diet pills because I would just not eat all day and then have like a piece of German chocolate cake at night. And it was heaven. That was heaven to me. I used to call myself a sugarholic before I knew about any AA thing, any alcoholic a, a, any kind of anonymous program. I used to call myself a sugarholic. And I, I used to think, why eat fruit when you can have candy? I would not eat fruit. I would not eat salads. Nothing. And that's how I lived all my life. So, this is going to end fast. Oh my gosh. Um, so, what happened? So, I kept gaining, losing, gaining, losing. And, uh, 
Finally, one day, I went and I read about OA, Overeaters Anonymous. At this time, I was living in Glendale, and uh, they talked about a meeting in Pasadena. And so I went to a meeting, and it was in a dark church basement, and uh, I was 199 pounds at the time. And uh, at 199, I went there. It was dark. It was depressing. There was a woman there, a girl. She was my age. This was back in the 80s. And she had a mustache, and she was talking about donuts. And I was, they did not have what I wanted. And so I left. And um, I left, and I never went back. And fast forward, at 34 years old, I finally got married. And I remember used to, I used to wake up. Uh, I used to live in Santa Monica. And I used to wake up, and I was like, I would wake up to the fact that I'm still fat and I'm not married. And so finally, I got married. And I got married to my lovely husband, Phil. And um, we've been married 24 years. And in the first two years of marriage, I gained 60 pounds dieting my way the whole time, dieting up 60 pounds. Um, so when we got married, I was like maybe 170-something, and boom, it just shot up. I'd never been over 200. And like I said, I became what I called a monster. I, didn't, I was unrecognizable. I, would, um, I used to live here. We moved to Stevenson Ranch, which is about 30 miles north of here. And I used to come down here to work, and I would see my friends, and I would duck. I would avoid people. Um, I used to buy, I, my closet was just a sea of black, navy blue, and brown. And of course, I'm wearing these dark colors today, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, and uh, I was, it was just all dark clothes, and it was like a uniform. I would wear a uniform. And we would go, now we're married, and we would go to events, weddings, you know, parties, things like that. And I would just try this on, try that on, spend a gazillion dollars on clothes. Just to cover up, you know, what I had become. I wasn't used to being that big. And I started buying books, uh, Janine Roth books, all these new things about eating disorders, carbohydrate addicts books, every book, you name it. We had double income, no kids. I was a member of one gym on one side of t a town, another gym on the other side of town. I was, I went to, I got a trainer, and I remember one day I used to show up at like, let's say, 6 in the morning, and uh, I used to do the, the workout. And she goes, if you could, she goes, you're such a good client because people would not show up. And I would show up all the time, but I wasn't losing an ounce. And she goes, you're such a good client if you could just eat some chicken and broccoli. And as she's saying this, I'm thinking, I can't do that. I literally can't. I don't know how I couldn't put that together. I couldn't do it. I couldn't diet, even though I tried. I was doing the Oprah thing, everything. I joined Weight Watchers the whole two years. Poor thing. I spent so much money. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> went to Lindora. Went to Lindora again. Lost $1,200 again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just did everything. Everything. And finally, I was 39 years old, and I was just like, this is it. This year, something's got to give. Um, we were trying to uh, have a baby, and I was just, you know, I was like, how can I have a child if I don't know how to feed it? I don't know how to feed myself. I was so clueless to what compulsive overeating and the addiction was. I was so clueless. I'm like, I don't know how to feed myself. 
how can I feed a new human? And so I decided to go see an eating disorder therapist. And I was ashamed to tell my husband that I was going to go to therapy. He sees all these books. He sees all these programs. He sees everything going on. Um, and lo and behold, I went and found an eating disorder therapist right there on uh, Wilshire and, and Forth. And she was lovely. And first meeting, first meeting with her... And by the way, I went, there was a Carl's Jr. at the time mm-hmm. on uh, Wilshire, I think, whatever. And I would go to Carl's Jr., order a number 15, sit and eat it, and then go and see her. And we would talk. And the first meeting, she said, there is no way I can help you unless you go to Overeaters Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I've been there, I didn't like it. So I just dismissed it. So nine months of going and seeing her once a week, every week, you know, paying more money, I finally, finally decided, okay, I'm going. And the first meeting was I went to, I worked on in Santa Monica on Wilshire and Harvard, and the first meeting I went to was on Harvard, uh, that Thursday, 5.30. And so I walk in, it's probably this time of day, and everyone was beautiful. Everyone was young. To me, this is what I saw. Young, beautiful, thin. I was like, this is wonderful. And I sat there, and there were metal chairs. I could barely sit. I could barely cross my ankles. I had elastic uh, capris on. I, I was 38, 39. I looked like I was 50. That was old to me then. I looked double my, I looked like a, you know, a middle-aged monster. Uh, and I just sat there and I just cried. I, it was a young, a young man there. He was probably in his 30s and he was the speaker. And he shared about going to Sears and in the Husky department. And everything he was saying and the way he was talking was how I, re- I related to. And we were nothing alike. And I just sat there and tears rolled down my eyes. And um, the meeting ended and I went to the bath to get some literature, and this little petite lady came up to me, she was, I don't know, in her 60s, and she welcomed me, and she gave me a kiss on the cheek, and it was Roseanne, and I didn't know, and I had not been kissed, you know, my mom didn't kiss me anymore, because I was so, I was, you know, you don't kiss your daughter anymore at that age. I didn't live with her anyway, but it was just a very lovely kiss. And she welcomed me, and I came back. And I came back, and within, like, two meetings, I was so desperate. I took on the greeter position, and I came every week, every Thursday, and I was nervous every single time. And I wouldn't share, and um, I would just listen. I would listen to everyone share stories just like mine. They didn't look like me. They weren't my age. And um, I just kept coming back. And I thought it was a big deal that I was going once a week (laughs) to a meeting, a very big deal. (laughs) I got a sponsor, and uh, even in asking her, when she said yes, I cried. Because you know what it was? I I was married. I owned property. I had a career. 
I had a, a bachelor's degree. I was all adult on the exterior. But inside, I knew I was three years old. I knew I had the mind, the heart, the soul of a three-year-old. And I did not know the words about being emotionally immature. I learned how this is a spiritual, emotional, and physical disease. Um, and I just, I, just, I just kept coming back and learning. So I got a sponsor. When she said yes, you know, I cried. And then when she wouldn't answer my calls and one day she came and made an amends to me, I cried. I just would always cry. As you can tell, I cried very easily. So um, it worked, you know, I did whatever she asked. Um, but within about eight months, nothing was happening. Oh, and then I got my abstinence. It was three meals a day, and I knew immediately. Nothing, no sweets, no sugar-free stuff. I just knew immediately. I, that's, you know, nothing in between. And to me, that was very difficult. I felt like I lost a limb. It was so hard. Um, just going from breakfast to lunch, those were new concepts to me. I'd never heard of three meals. Never. Uh, to me, I never, I, I just never heard of three meals and nothing in between. It was so basic and simple. Um, but it was very hard. Anyway, I did it. I did not lose one single pound. Eight, nine months, I'm in. Still 238 pounds. This is ridiculous. And I would uh, go to these other meetings, and I would see this woman just melting in front of me. Anyway, long story short, I end up going uh, to that, um, it was a Tuesday. It was a big book meeting uh, in Studio City on a Tuesday morning. And that's where I would see this woman come in all the time. She was the secretary, and she was just melting in front of my face. And that's what I wanted. And that's what I wanted. And by the way, that picture that I brought, if I would go to meetings and you didn't bring a picture and you were speaking, I had the biggest resentment. I was so angry because I was all about just get me thin. Just, you know. And what kept bringing me back was everyone was saying they kept it off. They kept it off. And then they were, I, I never went anywhere where they talked about keeping it off. It was always about losing the weight. Everything's about losing the weight. Nowhere does it talk about keeping it off. Nowhere. Even in the surgery, uh, the bariatric surgery, nothing against them. If you've done them, that's great. But even there's a fine print, and it says something like 75% of your weight will remain off, which means there's a 25% gain. Um, so anyway... But still, it's off. But still, the lengths you go to, it's surgery. And I was too chicken for surgery. So anyway, I would go to these meetings. I finally, you know, uh, had to let that first sponsor go. And when I let her go, I felt very uncomfortable. And she said to me, Sandy, don't ever feel uncomfortable about leaving a sponsor and going for another one. This is a very selfish program, and you have to take care of yourself. And I liked that. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I went, and I got this other sponsor. And uh, within a couple phone calls, she just like, let me have it. One day I didn't go to a meeting. Mind you, I lived in Stevenson Ranch. It was 30 miles away, and I had to go to the Studio City meeting. I'm sorry. Yeah, Studio City meeting at 7.30 a.m. She said something about meeting afterward. I didn't show up. I sent her an email. So I see my part now, 10 million years later. Anyway, she just let me have it. And I had never been talked to like that. And uh, I called someone, and I said, you know, there's this lady, and she's my sponsor, and she's mean. And uh, to me, she was mean. And she said, Sandy, 
she said, um, you asked her to be your sponsor. Yes, I said yes. She said, uh, is she a good sponsor? I said yes. She said, are there other people that would like her as a sponsor? I said yes. She goes, but you got her. And I said, yes. Does she have what you want? Yes. And she goes, well, Sandy, you can, you know, go ahead and let her go and find someone else. Or you can, you know, think that she's mean. Or you can continue to pull the sheets over your head and not deal with what's going on. And I said, I was sick and tired of pulling the sheets over my head. Not that I knew I was either. Look at my history. I was working a lot. I was trying to lose weight. So anyway, we worked together, and she taught me some major basics. One, when you have breakfast, you sit on a chair behind a table and eat your breakfast. To me, breakfast was always in my car, always in my car. Uh, before I started a program, I would wake up to, I can't wait to go to AMPM and get some donuts and coffee. That was the first thought. That was the whole point of getting up. That was the only reason I wanted to get up was for that. And uh, that, those were literal, that was the only reason. I had a whole full day of work. I was married, happily married, but that was the whole reason for getting up. She taught me about um, my food is my food. You know, other people's food is their food. You don't taste. You don't do this. You don't do that. You eat your own food. Um, she talked about, she gave me a requirement that I had to go to one big book meeting a week, no matter what. Um, I had to sit in the front row, share, and uh, I would call her every day, Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Yeah, but I'm working. That's my call time. So at 4.30, 4.25, I would take my books and my writing and leave the office and go sit in my car thinking everyone was watching me. And uh, I would sit there and I would read her. I would do some, you know, reading of what she told me to read. It was basically the AA 12 and 12 or the big book. And I would write on it and, you know, we would chat. And I would talk about my resentments. And I would talk about the most personal things to a complete stranger, a complete stranger. And she would tell me her stories about her being overweight and everything. And I just, she could relate. I could relate. I related to her 100%. I learned about the prayers. Now, I was driving on the 405. You guys know how what a crawl it is. I would be driving home. I would literally tape the prayers, the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, the acceptance prayer. I would tape them to my steering wheel, and that's how I would learn them and memorize them. Um, and uh, let's see here. So I start working the steps. I start working the steps. By the time I got to step four, the way I did it was from the big book, and she had me do it so that in the end, what my part was, was looking at the seven deadly sins. This is how she taught me, and it was under Praggles. I don't know if it's a correct like acronym for the words I'm going to use, but I had to look at pride, resentment, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, jealousy, sloth. I was stunned that pride was my number one defective character. Stunned, because I didn't even know what it encompassed. I could see people as proud. I could see people as boastful. 
I wasn't that. I'm just this nice girl who's got a weight problem, you know. I was just stunned at that, what that came under and who I was being. Jealousy, another one. Also, my eyes, I knew I could see out. I could not see in. OA gave me a way to finally see inside who I am and what I do and how I think. And I never knew how jealous I was. Oh, my God. Um, other huge defect of character. I learned that people work hard for what they get. I used to think that you just got it, you know. Why don't I just have it? I didn't know about hard work and how when you work hard, you can get things. And even if you don't work hard and you have things, big deal. That's not your story, you know. That's not your story. Um, focus on yourself. Uh, Greed and gluttony, you know, same kind of things. And then anger, that came under, like, resentment. So many resentments I had. And uh, just learning about my part and learning about um, the prayer, the fourth step prayer. And just learning how people, in the big book, how it says about how people dominate and control us. And I never even knew about that concept. But in my head, they were dominating my life. They were dominating everything. And uh, I used to be this little victim without even knowing it. Um, so I did my fourth step. It was many, many pages long. I went to my sponsor's house. I read it to her. And I remember her sitting there and just saying, you're human. I was like, what a concept. I just didn't, I'm, all these things were new to me. I call this the program of I didn't know. I didn't know that I had all these issues. I didn't know it was a spiritual, emotional, physical problem. I didn't know there was a disease, an addiction to overeating, undereating, binging, you know, all that stuff. It's so complex, this disease. And um, I was just so grateful. I was so desperate, too. Oh, I never forgot to say, I, I, you guys probably figured it out, but I would go to any lengths, meaning I lived in Stevenson Ranch, so I would drive early in the morning to Studio City to get to that big book meeting and then drive all the way to Santa Monica to go to work. And that's what I would do. And there, I didn't like the recovery in Steven, where I lived, Santa Clarita, because of the timing. It was bad timing. I would go at night, and I just, it wasn't a program of attraction. San Fernando Valley had a lot of recovery, so did the West Side. Um, but I liked the morning meetings, and then I got a lot of recovery at the morning meetings there at 7.30 a.m. They were all literature meetings, lots of, and I just loved it. So I got a lot of um, uh, recovery there. And so I continued being abstinent. I got to about two years. I lost 80 pounds. Uh, I got down to 157, and I was loving life and loving everything, loving God, loving you, loving everything. And um, I could not lose my last, you know, 10 pounds. I had not obtained nor maintained a healthy body weight, and I was getting anxious. And my sponsor was trying to figure out what was going on. I knew what was going on. It was the overeating during weekends. And... Um, Slowly but surely, you know, personalities took over principles, and I eventually let go of my sponsor. And I started slowly slipping, and slipping and slipping to the point where one day I was asked to speak at a meeting, and I had to wear platforms and long black pants so that they would think I looked thinner, because by now I had gained about 10 or 15 pounds. 
And I'm like, okay, you know, you need to get serious about this. And um, I kept working my steps, calling myself abstinent, and uh, other stuff start happening um, where me and my husband had to go to another program, and then from that I went to another program, and, uh, and then I decided to leave OA and go to the CHOW program. And uh, I went there because I, I couldn't lose my last, now it was 20 pounds probably, and I thought they're stricter, maybe that's what I need. I didn't have the guts to give up sugar and flour because I used to hear a lot of people talk about giving up sugar and flour. I always wanted your abstinence or your abstinence. Oh, but you only gave up chocolate? That's it? I want her abstinence, you know, anything. And then I would hear strict abstinence, committing your food, all that stuff. Um, anyway, I went to the See How program and that program works for a lot of people. And uh, it did not work for me. And for about five or six years, I stayed there. And I stayed and stayed and stayed. And that was one of the things I loved about OA, by the way, just to backtrack. It, they said, when it said, this is not a diet and calories club, that's what turned me on. Because I could not pick up another measuring spoon. I could not do a scale. I couldn't do it. It got me to 238 pounds. So now I go to the other program, and I'm not, you know, condemning it. Because I tried. I tried so hard. But there they do weigh and measure. Their abstinence is weighing and measuring. And you give up sugar and flour. And I tried it. 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 And then when I would relapse, man, I would go on some fierce relapses that I never used to do, binges, that I never used to do even when I was 238 pounds. Never. Uh, my husband would say, I'd be sitting there and all of a sudden you're gone. And I would leave the house just to like go to McDonald's and get one of those Sundays, Like the cheapest food, you know, the cheapest junk food. Um, and so that, that program did not work for me. Even though I tried, I tried really hard. Uh, the first month I lost 10 pounds, the second month I gained 7. You know, I wasn't into it. So long story short, I finally end up coming back to OA. And by now, I'm probably 195. This is about five years ago. And I never left the rooms. I never left the rooms, number one, and that's why I don't think I ever gained the entire 80-something pounds. Because I always used to call myself, you know, as long as I can shop at Macy's, I'm good. You know, because I, I used to shop at Lane Bryant. And so those were my two things. It's like one department store, the other one is like, you know, for men, Lane Bryant is like heavy women's clothing. It starts at size 18. And as long as I wasn't in Lane Bryant, I thought, I'm good. Um, and as you can tell, I always say I came for the vanity, and I stayed for the vanity. I'm very, very into what I look like. And that has been just a spiritual principle that's taken a long time for me to deal with. Anyway, um, so fast forward. I come back. I'm 195. Thank you. And uh, I would come into the meetings with cookies in my pockets. Uh, I would get in my car. It was like 8 o'clock. The meeting, meetings were over. By the way, I started a couple. Me and a friend, I told a friend, do you want to start a 7 a.m. meeting? She's like, sure. And so we started it together because uh, I love morning meetings. I just love them. And uh, we started these two meetings. One was AA 12 and 12. The other one was um, Big Book. And I would wait for everyone to get out of the parking lot, and I would go to Yum Yum Donuts and get my donut. And I just could not get abstinent, could not get abstinent. 
And one day I came to a meeting, it was 10.30, and I remember there's a friend of mine, she was a friend. I never asked her to be my sponsor because, you know, they're scary sponsors, right? And that was my first sponsor. She was a scary sponsor, but I stuck with her uh, for a while. And um, I was scared of her as a sponsor, but she was my friend. And so uh, there she was, sitting in all her glory. She's five foot ten. She's, I don't know, I, she's 60 yet, but she's wearing ripped jeans. She looks cool, hip. You know, she's a grandma, but she's thin, and there's her sponsee. She's 5'10", and she's cool and hip and thin, and I just hated them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had what I wanted, but I wasn't willing to do what they did. And I just sat there, and I was plotting. I don't know if that was the meeting where I had the cookies or what, but I was just pissed. But I kept coming back. Keep coming back. Stop trying to figure things out. That's my biggest motto and lesson. Keep coming back and stop trying to figure things out. I kept coming back. The meeting ends. We start chatting. And um, she's, I'm talking to this my friend. And uh, I was just telling her how miserable I am. And she says, why don't you give me a call? I said, okay. And now, you know, when we're friends, you know, when in, we're fellows, we know people have schedules, they have work, what's a good time? And I said, okay, what's a good time? She goes, how about 5.55? And that's when I knew she's calling to be my, she wants me to be her sponsor. She wants her to be my, you get it. She wants to be my sponsor. She's making a sponsor type of request. And I said, okay. And I called her at 5.55 a.m. and we started working together. And one day I called her when I had Ben and Jerry's, and she said, can you go throw it down the sink? And I went and I threw it down the sink, and then I was able to create an abstinence. And then from then on, I've been abstaining. I've been abstaining and working with her. And how that works is I commit my food to her. And that was one thing I knew I could never do. That's what they required in the CHOP program. And I lied. I committed fiction, as another friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine in program used to say. I would commit fiction. And I would do, and I, I knew I would do this with her. And so, and I kept telling her, I would tell her, I'm going to commit fiction. I'm going to commit fiction. And uh, lo and behold, I would commit it, and I would just try to eat it and try to eat it. And, and I would tell her when I would lie. And, uh, and then every month I would have to weigh, and lo and behold, I start losing weight, and I lost about 30 pounds, and, but I would still lie. But I would not lie about my weight. That was one thing I always gave her the truth about was my weight. And, and I finally came, it came to, it's like, you know, when they say um, sometimes quickly, not sometimes, uh, spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection, you know, Honesty is the principle of step one, and it is a principle that we all have to practice. I have to practice. I'm going to talk about myself. I could not get it, and I thought I would always think I was a fraud. Yet here I was. I had lost 70 pounds, and I'm working, and I've got sponsees, and I'm working it. You know, I am all in, but I still can't be honest, and I kept thinking, well, Sandy, this is a principle. No one's going to get it like that. Some will. But, you know, this is your path. I always also had to accept my path, that this is it. Now I look back at my uh, relapse, and I'm grateful for it. At first I was ashamed to say I'm in 20 years, I only got three years and 10 months. But the truth is, you know, I kept coming back. I know this is the last house on the block. I know there's nowhere to go. I just know it. My friend used to say, 
When you come to a meeting, they should have a sign that says, if you leave, you will gain weight on every <laughs> meeting. And it's true. In my case, that's the situation, you know. And um, that's why I never left with cookies in my pocket or stocking out at the you know, parking lot, whatever. And so this whole honesty thing is very hard for me still to this day to be honest with her about my food. Um, as of today, gosh, I'm, I'm 162, a healthy body weight for me. The top of the range is 154. So I'm still not there, but I'm still, you know, I'm going to keep coming back and not trying to figure things out. And it takes what it takes. Nothing can be happened, you know, on t my timeline. Breakthroughs happen when they happen. Revelations happen when they happen. I want to talk about God. I practice now very, very much came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity because I'm all about the vanity. People said they would come and stay for the sanity, and I want the sanity. I want the sanity, but I usually tend to focus on the vanity, so I keep, you know, just praying more and more to the God that I believe in. And um, this is a spiritual program. Um, I hope the, you know, some people, they run away when they hear, you know, the word God. Um, there are many, many different paths to a loving God. And, uh, you know, as they say, may you find him now, however it is, however that looks to you. I had a God when I came in. Uh, it just deepened, completely deepened. Um, I referred to God, always to God. And then as I got more into it and I got developed my spiritual side, I went more into my religion. I'm uh, a Christian and I just follow, start following, you know, uh, more of a Christian path. And just, but everyone is different. And it is what it is. Um, but the turning my will and my life over to the care of God every single day Instead of, like, coming up here and saying, oh, my God, how am I going to talk for all this time? Uh, I said, okay, God. Instead of saying, how am I going to do this? I said, okay, God, let's see how you're going to do this. And I just turned things over to God. This is a true, I could not be abstinent without the grace of God. I could not do this on my own. I couldn't show up. I, um, I go to Monday, uh, 7 a.m., literature meeting, I go to a Tuesday big book meeting, and I set co-secretary a Saturday meeting. They say, go enough until you want to go. Remember when I said I used to go once a week, and to me that was like a big deal, you know? Now it's like, thank God for Zoom. I listen. You know, they say, who's in your ear? I'm always listening to spiritual, whether it's meetings, I, you know, three different programs I've been involved in in, in this 20-year period. And uh, I have a very happy marriage because of another program. Um, I have uh, financial peace because of another program. And uh, I have, I'm, you know, have kept off and uh, about 75 pounds over the past, you know, almost uh, four years because of this program. And uh, I love my life. And uh, I try to turn my will and, uh, to God every day, which means my thoughts and my actions. I'm always trying to just um, become a better person, you know. I work the steps. I work them all once. I work them again. I'm now on step 10, and every night I send a daily 10th step. And mine is kind of different from a lot of people's, and basically it's the food I'm going to have tomorrow, what I did well, two things, what I did well, 
what went well, two things, what went well, and then ten things I'm grateful for. And it's all positive. It's all positive. In my writing to my sponsor, I speak to her every morning. I'll write about resentments. I pray the, the, the four-step prayer, which is about, you know, that we're all spiritually sick. Who I'm praying for is a spiritually sick person just like me. I couldn't be angry at other addicts in my life, other people I judge, because I'm like that. I'm like that first. My favorite part about this program is learning about my part. What's my part? Even if it's just the negative thinking, you know, that's my part. Uh, Whatever it is, you know, when I would see the jealousy, when I would see the envy, and I would just ask God, please take away my jealousy. And I had to learn what was the opposite. What's the opposite of jealousy? Contentment. What's the opposite of anger? You know, maybe acceptance or love or kindness. What's the opposite? I would. I have never looked up so many words. Uh, I didn't do that. You know, since like grade school. Now I do it all the time. I'm on Merriam-Webster, just constantly looking up words, and it's wonderful. Um, the acceptance prayer was one of my favorite prayers, and uh, I still say that one till today. Um, let's see, at the beginning, okay, and I'll wrap it up. Um, this is one thing I just want to say. The real solution isn't to be against anything. The real solution is to be on fire for God. And what that means is don't be against people that have this kind of abstinence, work that kind of program. The whole point is it's a spiritual program, and it's all about God will do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So thank you very much for that.